Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? Okay, that's okay if it's for the Dodgers, but how about for Christ? Uh, <laughs> that's all right, better. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Welcome home. Uh, go ahead and have a seat. Welcome home. I want to uh, do a very, very special welcome to um, amazing ministry that we've been working with. Uh, it is Home of Christians. Are you guys here? Home of Christians. Hey, there's Angie. Hello. Can you guys raise your hand so we can see where you are? All right. Welcome home. Awesome. Can you guys give them a nice welcome? Tell them hello. How are you guys? Um, how are you guys doing? You guys all right? Yeah, good, good, good. So I want to, uh, first of all, congratulate you guys for what, what happened Sunday. Sunday was an amazing, go ahead, go ahead. It was an amazing, amazing day. Uh, God did incredible things. For those of you that don't know what we did on Sunday, um, welcome to CFF. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we actually had our back to church Sunday and we had, how many new people Mikey showed up on Sunday roughly? Mikey's here. I'm a pro. All right. Anybody else? Areli, do you probably know how many roughly, how many new people came to church? My, uh, Frank. Oh, oh, sorry. Marriage. How, raise your hand if you're in marriage counseling. Uh, like if you really need help. I'm kidding. I know. It, it, we have about, about 15 couples that are getting um, premarital and postmarital marriage counseling. That's something awesome that they're receiving. Just let me see your smiley faces so people know who you are. All right, good. You guys, if you guys are in your marriage counseling, go ahead and go. And you're in the room next door. Pastor Eoni, the most beautiful girl in the world, is going to be sharing you how to make each other happier. <laughs> and how to, make, how to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Cool, cool. So those of you that may not know this, but we do seven weeks of marriage counseling for anyone who uh, is going to get married. And if you don't do those seven weeks, I just want to officiate your wedding. You get married anywhere you want. But, uh, but the reason is this, because many times um, we feel like... All we need to get married is money and someone. And that's far beyond from the truth. Like, that's not the truth at all. You need, obviously, somebody to get married to. Hopefully, someone nice. Uh, but somebody that loves God. And, of course, you can have two people that love the Lord and still hate each other. Did you know that? That sounds really weird. Uh, but I've seen it happen. They're amazing people, but they don't know how to deal with each other. They don't know how to actually communicate. They don't know how to deal with wounds. Many carry a lot of things from their own life, from their own lifestyle. Uh, or from their own families and end up just not knowing how to deal with each other. Or maybe they have the wrong models. And so what we really want to do is make sure that every single couple that comes to this ministry knows how to communicate properly, how to uh, understand the purpose of God for their marriage, for their own lives, and that we're not just getting hitched and that's it. Is that cool? So anyway, so if you do know somebody that needs marriage counseling, uh, let us know. Um, there's so many amazing stories of God restoring marriages in this church and uh, anyway, so if you do want to get married one day, hopefully soon, uh, just know that that's available. All right, cool. You guys good? Yeah? All right, cool. I want to jump right into this message today. It's, um, it's amazing. Uh, actually, we didn't know how many new people came on, Friday, on Sunday. 53, 52, three brand new people came on Sunday. Uh, and how many of those signed up for life class? 47 people signed up for life class. Did you hear what I just said? We have 47 people signed up for life class. And 53 brand new people came to church this Sunday. Churches this, this size, 
I'm telling you guys, church is much, much bigger than this size. Don't bring the church on Sunday, 53 brand new people. And the reason is because you guys have been praying. Many, raise your hand if you came to pray one of the, like 3 a.m. or 5 a.m. Raise, raise your hand. Wave it like you just don't care. There you guys go. This place was full, full of names. And we've just been interceding for those people. And we saw God do amazing things through your life. And I'm just really, really proud of being a part of this beautiful ministry. One of the things that you may or may not know, and that's kind of what's going to, you know, get a little intro to, uh, to this, tonight's message. It's not a sermon. It's really just formation. Friday, we use it for formation. And we should, not information, but formation, right? Very different. Yes. Information you can get from YouTube. Formation, usually you can't. All right. It's from someone who loves you, who wants the best for you. And uh, so anyway, so this wall is full of, uh, you know, pallets. This is actually all this is pallets. We bought, I bought a bunch of pallets of, back then was Craigslist. I don't think it was even OfferUp yet. And so, was it OfferUp? Yeah, yeah OfferUp, it was. Pretty new, huh? Pretty new concept. So anyway, so we bought all these from some guy in OfferUp, and it's a bunch of pallets, and we just, a bunch of people from CFF, the church was actually, you know, still kind of understanding who we were, trying to grab onto what God had in store for us, and uh, we just decided to renew the church and to kind of give it a new look. But we didn't know what God was going to begin to do uh, in that moment. There was so much beauty, so much unity that came. And it took a lot to break these pallets down. And you guys may not even care, but I want to tell you why. Uh, because obviously we had to break every one of these box things apart. And then we had to cut them. And then we had to like wall, nail them to this wall and put them together. And when we first had them, it was just ugly. It was a bunch of ugly old pallets. And to me, this is one of the most beautiful walls I see in churches. The reason is, for me, one of the most beautiful ones. Because it represents every single one of these pallets has been around different parts of the world. Every one of those pallets, every one of those boxes has seen different things. You know, they carried so many different products. Maybe some of them were milk. Some were probably weapons. <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully non-drugs, but we just don't know that. Uh, but some of these here carried all kinds of stuff. You know, they've been pushed around, kicked around, you know, broken. Uh, these things, if the pallets, pallets could talk, some have been probably to China. Some have been to Mexico. Some have been to Africa. We don't know where they've been. We know what they looked like before. And now they make this beautiful mosaic from different parts of the world and different backgrounds. And when I see it, I see the CFF representation. That people from, come from so many different backgrounds, so many different stories. We all here, every one of us in here, in one way or another, have been, I don't want to say damaged, but definitely bruised and, and beat and different ways hurt. But yet God finds a way to bring you together into his house and make something beautiful of your life. And so this church is not built on the talent of a few, but on the sacrifice of so many. And I just want to tell you, it's such an honor to be part of your lives. It's such an honor to be part of, uh, of what you have decided to call home. And so if you are here and you're part of CFF, I want you to know that God is doing something beautiful and that you're a big, big part of what God is doing in this place. So give yourselves a big round of applause. Amen. So, and uh, also a quick shout out to Home of Christians. I don't know if you guys know, they just had an encounter and it was a beautiful, beautiful encounter. I think uh, it was really cool, man. How many people were at you guys encounter? How many do you guys take? Do you know? It wasn't the snow. It was beautiful. How many was there? Do you know? At the encounter, yeah. To, good Lord. It was a lot of people at encounter with the kids, right? 
So that's like 210 people at Encounter. That's a, a very big amount. I think <laughs> that's a lot. I didn't know it was that many. Good grief, it was a lot. So anyway, but, uh, but they're doing amazing. God's going to do great, great things. I think they might be joining us at the conference with Reinhard Bunke at the G12 conference. So we're really excited about that. But anyway, so I'm going to jump right into the message. And uh, it's really about formation. So I know that the purpose of tonight is not for you to get pumped and excited or learn something new. I don't really care about teaching. I'm not a teacher. I'm a pastor. And so if I wanted to teach, I would have studied something like teaching. But I'm not a teacher. I actually care about something other than you learning, but it's more of the application and the lifestyle that we really look for. Now, I'm not saying teachers don't. There's amazing teachers out there. But you can learn so much outside of this church. What we want to do is make sure that you and I understand and really are able to change according to what the scripture has for us. Not according to what we like or don't like. This is called formation and biblical formation. Okay, so what I want to do today, maybe a little, a little, I don't think it'll be hard to understand, but I'm going to go kind of quickly because we don't have too much time. And it may sound even kind of weird because I'm going to talk about formation through creation. Okay, so what's it called? There you go. That's better. Formation from creation. Formation from creation. And this is something God began to speak to me about because obviously we want to be formed, right? And formed according to who? Not according to a pastor or according to a church, but according to the image that is that God gave you, okay, originally. And to us, that's the image of Christ. You and I have been made to the likeness and to the image of God, right? Yes, no, maybe? Okay, good, good. Whew. All right, good, good. We've been made to the likeness and to the image of God. The Bible says that to their image, he created them. Who's their image? By the way, he says, let us make man to our image. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say, let me make man to my image. It says, let us make man to our image. That's called the Trinity, right? Then you have the Holy Spirit and Christ present from the beginning of creation. That's why the Bible says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, with God and the Word was God. And then the Word became flesh. And who is that Word? It's Jesus, right? And so Jesus Christ existed from the very beginning, in the very beginning of creation. So I need you guys, and I don't, actually you need to understand that you and I are not meant to be like someone else. We're meant to be like Christ. And so we can have different ways of dressing and that's okay. You can dye your hair. You can have long lashes or short lashes. You can be tall, short, dark, light. It doesn't matter. As long as you're Imago Dei, you have the image of God. As long as you and I, which is very different by the way, than saying, I want to be a Christian, then I want to be Christ-like. There's a lot of Christians in the world that are not Christ-like. You see, they may go to church and they think that makes them a Christian. But you and I both know that just because you go to McDonald's, it doesn't make you a cheeseburger, right? Just because you live in a garage, it doesn't make you a car, right? Right or no? The same thing. Just because you go to a church, it doesn't mean that immediately you're a Christ follower. I know people that grew up in church. And they seem like, man, some people even sing like angels. Yet behave like demons during the week. And that is not what this is about. This is about saying, God, how do I become more like you? Not how do I like you more? But how do I become more like you, God, in my everyday life as, a, as an employee, as a brother, as a sister, as a father, as a son, as a, as a daughter, as a mother, right? As a boss, maybe, perhaps just today as a disciple of Christ as well. So how do I become more like Jesus? The first thing is this is understanding the process of God, understanding how God created, how God made things, how God formed us all. 
The first thing that he did, it says on the day, day one, right? It says in Genesis chapter one, and we're going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to give you some quotes from it, and you guys can read it at home. And uh, it says, you know, in the beginning says, and God said, let there be, and there was, good job. Let there be light, and there was light. The first thing is this to understand that Jesus also said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not fall in darkness or will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It says, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The very first thing in order for you to transform your life and your life be the way God designed it to be. Please listen. First thing that you need in order to have the life that God actually created you to have. Not a fake, cheap Instagram version of what life is. Holla. Some people only have an Instagram life. Do you guys know that? If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, should I go a little deeper? Some people are amazing at Instagram. You're like, oh my gosh, that marriage looks so good in Instagram. And then you get closer to them. You're like, what the heck? It doesn't look like Instagram marriage. Have you guys ever took a picture of something like a, a food, food, you know? And you're like, oh, that looks so great. And then if you were there, it didn't look that good. It looked okay. But it wasn't like, wow. I mean, you took the right angle where the lettuce was spilling out, not on the other angle where the meat was half cooked. Do you know what I'm saying? That's exactly what many people have. They don't have really the life that God created them to have. They have a, a photo of it or they have a snapshot of it. Why do I tell you this? Because Christ is the beginning of a true, genuine life. And it says there that anyone here, it says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God established everything based on light. The first thing that you and I need, the very, very first thing is to have Christ as our guiding light. Christ must be our standard, not someone else, but Christ himself. Listen, I behave with my wife or towards my wife, not according to the way my father behaved towards my mom. Do you know how my father behaved towards my mom? I don't know either because he died when I was two months old. I have no idea. I have no point of reference of who I'm supposed to be with my own children. If I was to treat my children the way my stepfather treated me, I would never hug my children. I received one hug from my stepdad, perhaps, and I don't remember it. I just give it one just so I don't sound so mean. But why do I tell you this? Because my way of looking at life is not through the standard or through the eyes of some dude or some guy or someone who may not be in my life. Or let's just say you do have your father at home, but maybe you don't have the greatest communication. But that's not your standard either. Let's say your standard is a pastor, and I'm so happy, but in truth, I'm going to mess up. I'm a human being. Your standard is not to be a person. Of course, those are great models, maybe, maybe not. It depends on who you're talking about. But my standard and my greatest model is always the light of the world, which is Jesus Christ. And so the way you behave as a boyfriend, raise your hand if you have a girlfriend. Ah, come on, a little higher, go ahead. If you don't know, if you don't know if it's half, maybe she is, maybe she just raised it like this. All right, good, good. Raise, raise both hands if you're happy with your girlfriend. All right, good, all right, good, good, good. All right, all right. Okay, check it out. So, rate. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, listen, listen. Girls, guys, okay, raise your hand if you want a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Don't lie. Come on, dude. I'm going to look around. Look around really quick. Okay, look around. Raise your hand if you want a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Go ahead, raise your hand if you want one. I'm not saying like right now, like God right here immediately next to me. I'm not saying in the future, sometimes, some, raise your hand if you want a boyfriend or girlfriend. Raise it. Okay, fine. Stand up if you want a boyfriend or girlfriend. Go ahead. 
Go ahead. Go ahead if you do. If you don't, you can stay seated. There you go, brave man. Why is it all? There you go. Give him a round of applause for being brave and honest. All right. Go ahead. Sit down. Okay. Now stand up if you don't. I'm just kidding. No, no. Okay. So I, I behave or I, I started behaving towards Eoni when I was just going out with her in the way, not that I saw my, my guy friends do it. Listen, the way I saw men do it is just like, hey, just speed game, do whatever you got to do as soon as you could do it, and then move on. When you get old, when you get tired, when you get tired of her, when you when when it gets old. But how do you do things right in relationships? Listen, how do you know what career path to take? Now that just got really interesting. Well, because my parents want me to do- be a doctor. Well, I don't know because what makes most money. How do you know what's the standard for your life? If you don't have light in your life, you will always walk in darkness. Hey, listen, people, so many people are stumbling all the time trying to figure out stuff in life. Instead of figuring out stuff in life, how about do one simple thing? Turn the light on. Just turn the light on. Have you ever, ever, I actually wanted to do this exercise, but it would have gotten too late. Turn everything off. Make it super dark, right? And have you guys find some things that I was going to hide, but I figure it's going to take too, way too long, right? It would have been fun, though, because we were crashing against each other. What the heck? Where's my purse? You know what I mean? But it would have been kind of crazy. Yeah, some people, you know, I still not, haven't gone to encounter, so they haven't, you know, let all the old habits go yet. But, uh, but anyway, but, but how much easier is it when you lose your keys and you can't go anywhere, you just turn the light on, right? The same thing happens in our lives. If Christ is not our standard, if Christ is not who we look towards for what we want, listen, you will always walk in darkness. I don't care how pretty, how beautiful, how fun, how amazing it looks. It's, all it is is smoke. All it is, seriously, is mirrors. You're not going anywhere. It's just darkness. Unless Christ is your guiding light, unless he himself is the one that is your standard in everything you do, you're going to keep comparing yourself to someone else. And you're going to find yourself in a very dark spot of your life. It's not, am I better than him or better than her? Am I Christ-like? Am I making sense? So many people are, well, at least I'm not sinning like that. Or at least I'm not doing this. Or at least I'm not doing that. Who says at least? Is Christ behaving that way? Are you being Christ-like? Is he the light of your life? First thing is that in order to form your life according to what God wants, you and I must be filled with the light of God. Next thing, this one to me is one of the most important ones. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. When I was reading this, it was so clear to me. I hope I can make it as clear to you is that there must be order in our lives. There must be a clear distinction between boundaries, what is good and what is evil. Can I tell you, especially if you're a young person in this place, I'm not, I'm 39, 38 years old tomorrow, so I'm almost 40. And I feel like, a, woo, I feel like I'm like 18 sometimes, because I'm immature. I'm just kidding, no, no. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm 18 years old, like, wait, wait a minute, hold on a second. No, 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 I feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm young because I'm around you guys, so you guys would not let me get old, which is pretty cool. That and I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that also helps too. But anyway, so I just started not too long ago. But anyway, but I'm getting cauliflower here, which is really nasty. You guys know what that is? You guys will see my ears start getting poofy and then gross, and it's just not good. But anyway, so anyway, so one of the things that I learned, that I absolutely learned, is this, is that... I have to have clear, clear, clear guidelines of what is wrong and what is right. Listen, God said, let these waters be separated from these waters. Let, this is what God literally said. He says, he established this. Listen to this, okay? 
It says, on the second day, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Holy moly. I could just close the, close the laptop and just go home with that and leave you with that Bible verse. And if you listen to it, it will change your life. It says here, do not be like these people that appear to be godly, but they don't understand what is right and what is wrong. It says in Isaiah 5.20, Cursed are those who give the name of God, of good to evil and evil to what is good, who make light dark and dark light, who make bitter sweet and sweet bitter. Do you have a clear understanding of what the word of God says is right and wrong? Do you know that if you leave a sucky Christianity for enough time, you're going to change your theology to adjust? Listen, a lot of people change the manual instead of change the man. So many people want to change what the Word of God says instead of changing their own lives according to what the Word of God says. God made a very clear distinction. This is right. This is wrong. This is the right kind of waters. This is this kind of waters for this kind of season. Please, guys, girls, Today, I don't care what the law says. I don't care what government says, what society says. What does the word of God actually say? Formation is not according to my society ever changing, forever changing. Listen, what does God actually say is right? And what does God actually say is wrong? And I don't have to like it. So many things I don't like, yet I know are so good. One of those things is vegetables. I do not like some things, but now I understand Hey, if I don't have those things, it's not good for me. How many of you guys are doing the keto diet, by the way? Raise your hand. Oh, whew. Keto diet. Now, keto. Poquito aquí, poquito allá. You guys are? Wow, stop. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't do that. Listen, a lot of people are doing keto diet, and it's a really good, actually, like people are really losing weight. I know a few of the leaders here, a few of the 12, they're actually doing it. I think who, they like lost five pounds in one week. Listen. It's crazy. I would do it, except the one thing I can't do is do away with sugar. I love sugar. As a matter of fact, for my birthday, they did a Krispy Kreme donut cake for me. And I'm like halfway through it right now. And it is amazing. So I would do it if it wasn't so sugarless, you know, the whole thing. I know sugar, though, is not necessarily good for me, right? There's a lot of things that are not good for me, but they're good to me. Just because something's good to me, it doesn't mean it's good for me. Have you understood the difference? Hey, listen. Have you understood the difference between what's good to you and what's good for you? You know, there's guys out there, girls, please listen. They may be good to you, but they're not good for you. I'm going to repeat that just because I know deaf ears sometimes, you know, are convenient. You know, like, oh, I didn't hear that part. <laughs> but there are some men out there that may be good to you, but they're not good for you. Guys, the same way. There may be some girls that are good to you, but they're not good for you. Do you know where the waters divide? Where bitter waters come from and where they should go? You see, I now know one thing for sure. 
in my marriage, if it's going to survive in my relationship with my wife, I have to have very clear boundaries. The other day I was in my office and I was giving counseling to some people, right? There was two girls from the team, amazing. And I was there and it wasn't like I go out looking for counseling and when he was in Argentina. So I'm sitting here in front of all these people and instead of me closing the door in my office and saying, hey, well, there's two, it's okay. I said, absolutely, leave the door open. People are walking by the whole time. It must be completely wide. As a matter of fact, I think I came back here and had counseling back there where everybody was. Why did I do that? Is it because I'm afraid that those women are going to attack me because I'm such a good-looking pastor? Is it, because, is it simply because I don't trust myself because I'm a man? Or is it simply because I have clear boundaries? Am I making sense? And I understand that this may not be evil, but it's definitely not good for my marriage. There are some things the Bible says that you could do all things. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. See, if you're still as a Christian asking, can I do this? You're already falling. Is this, is this a bad thing? It's not about what's bad. It's about what pleases God. Take it that far. Don't take it as like, well, is this? It's not bad because, you know, it comes from the earth. Hello. Somebody just got hit. Like, bam, backhanded. Church backhand, you know. <laughs> so dirt. Eat it. You know, anyway, so, so many things, right? It's, it's just natural. And okay, I get it. That's totally fine. I'm not arguing. I'm not trying to even, I'm not trying to exclude or make anybody feel bad here. I just want to talk about something so simple. Do you know your own limits, your own boundaries? And who sets those for you? Listen, I used to be a very aggressive person. You may not believe this, but I even try, I'm not going to talk about that part because it's too crazy. Because it's gonna be like, I'm not going to go to another church. But I was very aggressive, very, very spiteful and revengeful. And if you did something to me, I may smile at you right now, but I'll wait for my turn and I'm going to get back to you 10 times harder so you never do it again. I know how I used to be. And yet I saw how God clearly made a line and said, you're no longer that person. And when he gets weirded out that I don't get mad at people, he's like, they're using you. I am useful. <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing. I don't stay mad. I don't even remember. Like if you do things or owe me something, I'm telling you, it's like God said, I used to erase my memory, like long-term memory or something. So I'm like a goldfish. Really? Just keep swimming? You know, like it's... <laughs> Why, why do I tell you this? Because God traced the line where my sin was. My sin might have not been doing drugs, but my sin was being revengeful. So now I know I don't cross this particular line. Can I ask you one more time? Do you know where your waters are? Do you know as a, as a child of God what is right and what is wrong? Not what you like, but what does God love and what does God hate? What is God really about? I'm not saying who, by the way, because God doesn't hate absolutely anyone. If your God hates someone, you're, you're, you probably have the wrong God or a fake version of God. Because God absolutely hates no one. By, no, I mean no one and nothing. No, I mean nothing, no one. He loves so much that he gave his one and only son for anyone. That key word, anyone who actually believes him will not perish but have everlasting life. I would not give my son Elijah or Josiah for anyone. But God loves us so much more. That he gave his one and only son for whoever believes in him. Am I making sense? However, however, this does not mean that because you love someone, you're going to love what they're doing. I have so many, so many examples. It's one of my friends, particular guy, man. He, he does all kinds of crazy things. And just because I love him, it doesn't mean I'm going to love or think it's right what he does. Oh, man, today's such a tough night for some of you. You're like, man, I brought my friend today. It was the worst night. It actually is the best night 
Because if you tolerate some things in your life, you're giving them permission to stay. So as long as you tolerate some things in your life, you're simply saying, hey, you can stay there as long as you want. Listen, if you tolerate certain behaviors in your own life or towards your own life, it's not about being tolerant. It's forgiveness has nothing to do with tolerance. Repentance has nothing to do with tolerance. It's actually the antithesis. It's against repentance. So in your own life, do you know what's right and do you know what's wrong? Do you know how to cut those things out of your life? Some people may not need to be in your life. Maybe those people, not right now. Maybe one day down the road. But for this point in your life, perhaps those people don't need to be there. Why do I say that? Not because you are trying to exclude. Rather, you're trying to include those people that are really going to bless you. Listen, please listen. We are the sum of the five people closest to us. You may not like to hear this, but the people that are closest to you will bless you, will increase you, or will damage you. These people will bless you. They'll influence your life. Give people permission, but the right people to be near you. Is that okay? Do you have clear boundaries? Do you understand exactly where your right and your, your wrong is, where your north and your south is? Let me keep going with the next one. Otherwise, I could spend two hours talking about this one. Day three. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit trees yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Check this out. I call it seed time. What's it called? Seed time, right? Seed time. Next to you, there's a person filled, filled with seeds of greatness. Sounds really cool, right? I heard T.D. Jake say that you can count the apples. You could count the seeds in an apple, but you can never count the apples in a seed. Get a hold of that. Okay, you could count how many seeds there's in an apple, five, six. But you can never count how many apples there's in one simple seed. Are you the kind of person that actually says, it's time to sow? It's time for me to sow and sow and sow. I need to start sowing into my own life. I need to start sowing into other people's lives. After you give your life to Christ, then you start understanding what, God ple what pleases God and what doesn't please God. Then it's time to grow, baby. It's time to actually invest into your formation, into your development. So many unformed believers, they learned to know Jesus. But listen, just because you know Christ, it doesn't mean you're ready to lead. It doesn't mean you're formed according, this is going to sound really weird to some of you who have been raised in church. But some people think that just because you go to church, you are a formed believer. I know some pastor's wife, I was just ministering to someone this week. The pastor was complaining that his wife is his worst disciple. I was like, oh, no, that's horrible. Mine is my best. <laughs> Why? I know some Pastors, pastors, listen, they go to school and some of them still, still have very areas in their life that are not formed whatsoever. They're like babies, man. They're like children. They get so mad and angry and curse someone when they leave. They let them go. Let them go. It's all right. Bless them. You don't have to be angry at them. Why do you get hurt? You're a pastor. Am I making sense? Formation does not mean, I mean, just because you've been redeemed, it doesn't mean you've been formed. Am I making sense? Just because you've been redeemed, it doesn't mean you've been formed. So now redemption, right, this, this is this immediate thing. But now the formation, it's a matter of sowing. It's a matter of paying the price. How do you grow now? For example, life class is one of those things. Go, start learning, start doing devotional, start sowing into your life. Let me ask you a question. You invest how much in food into your physical body daily, roughly, an average? What, 20 bucks a day, 30 bucks a day? Nothing, my mom cooks. <laughs> well, that's still money, by the way. 
let's just say how many pounds, you know, or how much you invest. Those of you that go to work every day from 9 to 5, roughly how much you spend in lunch every day? Let's just say 10 bucks. That's a pretty good amount. 10 bucks every single day. Let's just say you go to work five days a week. And by the way, you don't only eat once. Maybe you eat like twice outside or three times, some of you guys. Some of you guys are ballers. I'm like, you know, you do more. But let's just say 20 bucks a day, okay? 20 bucks a day times five. Let's say you don't eat on weekends. So that's 100 bucks. That's 400 bucks a month. I just gave you 400 bucks a month into your body. How much of that or how many hundreds of dollars do you spend into feeding your soul? Into feeding your intellect? Into strengthening your emotions and strengthening your will? How much do you actually invest into becoming that person that can be used by God to bless other people? This is where this church draws a line and we say we will not just stay saved. We will stay saved, but now we'll be serious. We're going to be saved and we're going to be formed. Why? Because God wants to use us. God wants to use us. Some of you guys know, like I said, I'm talking about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, okay? I've been learning a little bit more about it. I have a tournament coming up, and I want to get better at it. Listen, okay? The only way I found out, it's a revelation. The only way to get better at something is by doing more of it. It's like amazing. Did you guys know that? I had no idea. I wish somebody would have told me sooner. The only way to get better at it is by paying the price, investing into something. Did you know that if you want to get better at dancing, what do you do? You watch Dance with the Stars, you dance, right? If you want to get better at soccer, what do you do? You watch the World Cup? Uh, that's part of it, but what? You play soccer. Thank you. Hit a ball. You kick the ball a thousand times, right? If you want to get better at singing, what do you do? You sing, right? Did you know this? That you want to be a better disciple of Christ, what do you do? You disciple, I guess. What do you do? You work out your salvation. You actually start doing the things that God called you to do. You start growing in areas that God wants you to grow. One of these things is in knowledge, in wisdom. Okay? Another one of these things is in transforming your character and helping your emotions become stable. This is the biggest and most important thing you'll probably hear tonight. And I keep saying that every point. But this is really, really, honestly super important. Your emotions can destroy your spiritual life so quick if you don't learn to manage the way that you feel. Because the way that you feel may tell you the truth, but it may not be the truth. You have to learn to manage your life according to convictions, not emotions. And that's the hardest thing for some of us. For me, for a long time, it was very hard to manage my life according to the convictions instead of according to my emotions. See, because if I felt tired, I didn't want to go somewhere. And if I felt sad, I didn't want to go somewhere. And if I felt angry, I certainly didn't want to go. But that's when I needed it the most. That's when I need the shot of insulin. When I'm feeling like, oh, am I making sense? It is there where I need most encouragement. It is there where I need to be rebuked, perhaps. It's not according to how I feel. It's not according to how I'm doing that day. It's according to the purpose of God in my life. And you know how much stability the Lord brings. See, I studied psychology. And one of the things that in psychology we learn is this. Is that a lot of people think that they can stop doing a certain behavior by willpower. I'm going to stop doing this bad thing. Stop it. Stop, 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 stop. You know, I'm going to stop doing this. And the best way to stop doing something is by doing something better. Did you guys know that? Like you cannot just empty yourself out. You have to empty it out and replace it with something so much better. Am I making sense? So a lot of Christians, please listen to this. 
They say, yes, God, I want to come to you. Empty me of all these bad things. I don't want to do this. And they repent. And then they don't do anything great for the Lord. And now they feel like, I'm so empty. I don't understand, God. I gave my life to you. And God's like, no, you didn't. You let me borrow it for Sunday. Then you took it back on Monday. And you live your own life the rest of the week. It's like, God, I gave you my life. What are we going to do now? No, what are you going to do with it? Am I making sense? It's like me telling my wife, hey, I'm going to marry you. And we get married on Saturday. And then Monday I go back to my mama's house. How do you guys think my wife would react to that? She probably wouldn't like it. I certainly wouldn't like it either. Right? Why do we do this constantly? If you gave your life to God, let God form it. Start, start really getting into what the Word of God says. Right? Which is the studying of His Word. Living it out. Learning, learning to be a leader. A very important thing about sowing is this, is that you may not see results while you sow. A lot of people quit way too soon because they didn't see the results they wanted to see. You know, there are some trees, bamboo trees, that they are planted and five years, nothing comes out. Five years, some of them up to 10 years, but the root system, it's just growing everywhere. I like that. Right? There's roots all over the place. And you're like, come on, plant. I don't get it. I'm watering you. I'm taking care of you. I put a hedge around you. What is, are you dead? Is something wrong with you? And you feel like that sometimes, don't you? You're like, God, I'm trying here. I'm going to destiny training. I'm going to life class. I'm going to church. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm trying. And God's like, chill out. Chill out. But what happens after that? Once it breaks through the ground. In one year, some of these things grow up to 30, 30 feet in one year. You know, you know, that's 10 yards. That's, this year is probably like a 20-foot ceiling. Maybe a little bit more. Eh. Let's just say 20 feet. So this and a half in one year just breaks through the ground. I saw uh, in Mythbusters, there's a, a <laughs> it's kind of crazy. There's like a torture people used to do. They put them underneath certain trees and they would begin to grow under them. They would feed them, let them sleep. But these trees begin to grow under them and actually kind of really puncture through. Anyway, really bad one. But why do I tell you guys this? Because sometimes in your own life, you feel like nothing's happening. Like, man, I've been trying. And God's like, I know. I know. Be patient with you. Be patient with the process of God. Because the Bible says if you quit, it says do not grow tired of doing good for you. If you do not grow tired, in its due time, you will reap its rewards. I read something the other day. It said, if you're tired of starting over, stop quitting so soon. If you're tired of starting over, stop quitting so much. Why are we all the time having to start over? It's because we tap out way, way, way too soon. So sometimes, sometimes, guys, it's a matter of saying, hey, God, I believe that you're working in my life. I believe you're working in her life. I believe you're working in his life. I want to see you work. It's time to sow, and there will be a time of great harvest. Right now, though, however, listen, it may just be a time where you're setting up the environment of your life. Maybe, just maybe, in your own family, or you're sowing into your friends, and you're speaking to them about God, and you don't yet see life. It's not time to stop. It's time to keep going. It's time to keep giving. Maybe it's in your own family, and you're tired of dealing with certain things. Don't get tired, for in due season, you will reap its rewards. Maybe you're a student, and you're like, man, I'm done with school. Yeah, just maybe you are. But if you do not quit, you will see its reward. Maybe, just maybe, please listen. It's in your cell group. and You're tired of certain things. But if you do not quit, you will see its reward. Amen?
Give God a round of applause. Why not? He deserves it. Fourth day. And God said, let there be lights, plural, in the firmament of the heavens to, div to divide the day from the night. This is really cool. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9 through 6. Whoever sows sparingly, oh, Hebrew, no, Hosea 10, 12, Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. That's actually a verse for the previous point, uh, but it's still pretty good. Write it down, Hosea 10, 12, Hosea 10, 12. You guys got it? Okay, so it says, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and I was reading and I was like yeah that doesn't make sense I thought you made light on the first day and of course he made light on the first day but then it talked about he made lights on the first day and these stars and these will be able to tell you when the night is and when the day will be it talks about the sun and it talks about the moon and I love the way God ordered all these things listen to what I'm about to tell you it is actually super 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 cool that there's a time for everything in your life there's a season for everything there's a morning, there's a night. A disordered life, as much as they love God, as much as you're working on yourself, if your life is still not well managed, it is really hard for you to develop and for you to actually give fruit at the point where God wants you to give. Listen, this may not be for everybody what I'm about to say, but time management is one of the most important most incredibly important things in any person's life. I don't know anyone who is truly productive who doesn't know how to manage their time. I know a lot of people that have so much potential, but they don't know when they need to go to sleep. This practical teaching will change your life, I promise you. Know when to shut it off and know when to start. This is going to convict you tonight, maybe tomorrow. But it will bless you and your family one day. Know when to say, this day's over. Let the new day begin. I was just talking to somebody about the snooze button. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. To me, the snooze button is one of the biggest attacks on your character. <gasps> what did I just say? Some of you guys, stop. Stop. Don't go there, pastor. Talk about everything else, just not the snooze button. Don't leave my five minutes alone, which turn into eight and then turn into 20. Turn into tardiness. It's like you saying, I'm going to get up at 8. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to get up at 6, maybe. <laughs> right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to try to get up. Why do we do this? Why in the world do we not know when day and night is? For example, at night, some of you guys really want to do your devotionals in the morning. Hey, I'm going to start praying every day at 4 in the morning. But you're going to sleep at 1 in the morning. How in the world are you going to be really charged up, ready to go with the lover of your soul? If you have been spending time with the lover of your body for the longest time. Listen, you want a relationship with God that is thriving, that is good? Start disciplining your life. See, if you don't discipline yourself, life will discipline you. This sounds really, really tough, but it's the truth. To learn to say no is one of the most anointed things a Christian can do. Hey, you know what? We're all going this, this, this. Oh, great. Everyone's going. What time are we coming back? What time are we leaving? What I'm teaching you guys right now may not be something that sounds super churchy, but it's so powerful, I promise you. To say no sometimes, to spend time with God, is one of the most wonderful things you could ever do. Hey, you know what? Everyone's going out, but I'm going out with God tonight, so I'm just going to spend some time with God. <sighs> it's true. When was the last time you say, you know what? If I do this, then I won't be able to do what I know I have to do. 
Sometimes no is the most anointed word you could ever say. Not amen, hallelujah, brother. No is one of the most anointed words you could ever do. Learning when those things are. For me, for example, I cannot clock sometimes until I finish the job. And this is hard for me. The reason I'm preaching to you about this is because God's been really, really ministering to me. I'm the kind of guy that can work three straight days, and I've done it before, without sleeping. You're like, no way. Three straight days without sleeping. Because I get so focused on my work, and at the end, I'm like so done. I get sick, and I can't keep going for like another week. Why do I tell you guys this? Because when God created the heavens and the earth, and he did all these things, then he said, there's a time when everything's going to go dark. There's a time when there's going to be light, and that light is meant for you to do great, great things. But if you and I, you and I don't learn to say no to some things, it's going to be really hard for you to stay spiritually strong. Pastor, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel so like I can't connect with God. I'm like, when was the last time you spent time in worship? Oh, I've been so tired from work. Maybe your problem is not spiritual. Maybe you just really honestly need to organize your life. One guy told me, I'm going to be super real with you right now, that he started struggling with pornography. And I'm like, dude, I just asked him, when do you struggle? <gasps> what do you mean? Like when? Like sometimes. No, I don't mean some. I mean like when? Like at, at what time? And he's like, it's usually at night. Yeah, what time? Well, at this time. I said, okay, what are you doing awake at that time? I can't go to sleep. Yeah, because you have the computer open. Listen, why is it that you're not struggling at 1 p.m. when you should be working? Well, because I'm working. Precisely. Why is it that you're not struggling at 9 when all your family is still eating? Because well, we're eating with my family. Precisely. Do you know the purpose of every minute of your day? Do you assign every day, hey, this time is for this people. This time is for my family. This time is for my school. This time is for me to actually rest. Not for me to meander around Instagram to see who I like and what I like and what she's doing and what she's not doing. Do you know how much damage the enemy does in those times of just open space? The enemy works in the gaps. Remember this. If you remember anything I said tonight, the enemy works in the gaps. There's abyss. There's a space in lives. And in that space that has not been assigned to God and to his kids, I'm telling you this, the enemy will destroy you in those times. I've met very few people, very few people, actually no, no one that ever fell into sin while praising God hard. Never, never, never. Set a time to praise God. Wear yourself out in the presence of God. Amen. Is that cool? Assign the time to spend time with your family. Hey, well, I don't know. Well, they don't, they don't want me to come to church. Well, because you never spend time with them. Spend some time instead of spending time on Instagram. Put it in your mom's life. Put it into your brother's life. Actually go and spend time with them. Yeah, but they're busy. Okay. How about this? Instead of telling them, hey, you know what? I'm never available to you. Say this time next week at 8 p.m. I'm going to show up at your house. I'm going to bring some dinner. You don't have to cook anything. You think, oh, no, I'm going to be busy in three weeks. No one's busy in three weeks. No one is busy in two weeks. Does that make sense? So invest your moments into your family. Let me finish with this, and I'm not going to keep going on, on, the, on the last day. Um, but it says there, um, number five, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundant, abundantly the moving creatures that had life and fowl that may fly over the earth in the open firmament and God blessed them saying be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let fowl multiply in the earth that part that says be fruitful and multiply I absolutely love it now I'm not saying this is how I would write it and I'm not saying this is a theological statement 
But being fruitful and multiplying is part of who we are. God's first commandment to men and women was what? Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth, be fruitful and multiply. God's first commandment, believe it or not, was not tied or go to church or sing this song. It says be fruitful and multiply. It's not only about time management. It's also about saying, God, I want to be fruitful for you. I want to multiply on this earth. Multiply what? Those people that actually love God. There's a reason, you guys, why this church exists. There's so many churches, so many churches. But the reason why the church of God, the true church, of, I don't mean that we're the only one, but there's so many amazing, like Homo Christians, an amazing church. There's so many amazing, beautiful churches that actually love God. But the reason the church of Jesus Christ exists still on the earth, I want you to understand one wild, crazy thing. Listen to this. I worked in government for, I still translate for them sometimes. But one time I was in Colombia, I was translating for the, for the one who was, who is now the president, President Santos. Back then he wasn't the president yet, he was still a senator. I remember I was sitting in a meeting, I was translating, and the senator back then was Pastor Claudia. And they began to talk about, you know, different, you know, ambassadors and all kinds of cool things. And one of the things that caught my heart was this. They were saying something that I had read in a Christian book at some point, I, it didn't make sense until I heard it live. And she used to be an ambassador to Brazil. And she talked about ambassadorship. Listen to this. If a country is at war with another country, let's just say we're at war against El Salvador. Just kidding, I don't know. Let's just say Iraq, right? right? We're at war with someone. You could never, never, never attack them. You could not drop bombs. You could not let the helicopters fly. You could not let the F, you know, nothing like the F1, what are they called? The F... F-150s, you can never release all your power against that nation. Listen, as long as the ambassador is still in that country. Because you have your own country, your own land within that land. So the sign of war, the greatest sign that war is about to break out is when the ambassador is removed. And then all hell breaks loose. Just release all the bombs. Everything goes down. Why do I tell you this? Because when I heard that, I remember the power of the church of Jesus Christ. So long as the church is still on earth, war cannot break loose. As long as the church is still here, then God's wrath and anger and the end times will not come. This is why there's something called a rapture. And tonight may sound like too much for you. All I'm trying to tell you is, is there's so much power in the church of Jesus. And by church, I don't mean a building. I mean you. You are the church of Christ. I am the church of Christ. And as long as the church is still on this earth, God is saying, I know what's going on. I know the world, the world is at war against me. But there's still mercy. There's still time. There's still hope. There's still something else I want to do here. I'm not going to break all the, I'm not going to bring out all the guns. Because why? Because I love this place. I love the people in the, in the land. So what is the church doing about this situation? The Bible talks about being fruitful and multiplying. Be fruitful and multiply. You know Christ, day one. Number two, you understand the difference between north, south. You know what's right, you know what's wrong. Number three, you started growing. You started sowing into your life. Yes or no? Right? Number four, you actually are being formed. God is actually forming you into the man, the woman that God wants you to be. You've been sowing so much. But what are you doing now? The next step is being fruitful and actually multiplying and saying, God, I want to reproduce your character in other people's lives. So church actually should exist, not just to worship God. Because by the way, you're going to get to worship God so much more than you do on this earth. And it's going to sound much prettier too. 
One day we will worship God forever. What reason is for us to be here on this earth is that we would extend his kingdom here on earth. That we would actually be able to extend the mercy of God to those that still have the chance. That is your family, your friends, my family, my friends. At the end of this whole thing, I know this, you guys. Uh, please stand up with me for a second so you know that I'm finishing. Some of you guys are like, I want tacos. <laughs> One of the reasons why a lot of people, when they come to God, they struggle so much in their walk with Jesus. I did American Christianity for a very long time. And by American Christianity, I'm not knocking a nation. I'm telling you that Christianity in America is so comfortable. Dude, it is so easy to claim Christianity. Well, nowadays it's getting a little tougher because people are like, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, does that mean you hate this, you hate that? Does that mean you're intolerant? No, 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 no. It just means I love Jesus. Am I making sense? Now it's getting a little tougher, but, but it's still super easy. Really easy to just show up at church. There's other countries, other nations, other places that to go to church, it means to leave all your life behind. In a couple weeks, in a few weeks, I'm going to bring a friend. His name is Friday now. He's from Nigeria. He was preaching the gospel. Mike, a man came and just shot him eight times. Boom, boom. He still has bullet holes all over him. Stabbed him in the hand and then through the eye. Why? Because he was preaching the gospel. Yeah, I don't want you to preach the gospel. So they, they try to kill him. He was bleeding out on a motorcycle, bleeding all over the Nigerian roads while they try to find an open hospital. A couple weeks later, when he barely was able to walk, recovered, went back into that same town and preached the gospel even louder in that same spot where they tried to kill him. Why do I tell you this? Because he understood a reason, a purpose for living. You see, a lot of believers fall and they stumble for the same reason, for the very same reason that they don't know what they're living for. Martin Luther King said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Find me someone that's still trying to find themselves. I'll find you someone who's lost. Listen, it's not about who you become. It's about who God made you to be. That's the greatest question. My question to you is not what are you going to wear or what are you going to go to school for? The first thing is this. What are you going to school for? Like, what's the purpose of your school? What's the purpose of the way you and I are doing life? And if that purpose has everything to do with you and nothing to do with the purpose of God, there's something inherently wrong with your Christianity. See, being fruitful and multiplying is not just a matter of numbers. It's a matter of saying, God, I care about what you care about. I love what you love. Tonight I know is a longer session. It's not necessarily longer, just a lot of moving parts. But I want you to grab a concept. God loves you so much. And he created you with so much power. The Bible says that when he saw what he made, he saw the creation. He said, mm, 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 it is good. That's literally what he said. It is good. And then on the sixth day, he created men and women. In his image, he created them. And he gave them that commandment, go be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. Yet the earth subdues us so much. Creation is controlling the, those that we're supposed to be controlling creation. We live to get things. We live for creation instead of understanding that God made you with an incredible, beautiful purpose. When God saw you, he said, it is so good. It is good. I put something so great in you. And so tonight I want to pray for this. That if you've been having a hard time with light, with actually knowing where you're going, that God would be able to set you apart from that. And that you know what you've been created for. Can I say to you this? Sometimes your scars and your pain, they may be one of the greatest, most powerful things that God will ever use in your life. Your scars 
will mean your downfalls, your, your weaknesses. Is there where God's strength is going to shine? In the areas that you say, yeah, pastor, but you say that, but you know that I don't know what you know. I don't even speak English right. Or maybe you say, hey, you don't know my, my, my prognosis. You don't know what the doctors have said. You have no idea who I am or where I come from. And you may be right. What I do know is God. And I know He loves you. And I know He has the power to use you. I want to finish with one, one very simple and beautiful analogy. And then we'll pray together. Is that okay? I play golf. Well, I used to play golf quite a bit. Every day I would go out at 4.30, 5 in the morning and just hit about 300 golf balls. Then go out go to a golf course and come back. By the way, I made a pact with God. I will not play golf again until I have my 144, which means my 12 will have their 12 liters. Anyway, that's something that you may not care about, but I really care about. But anyway, so I'm self-disciplining. So anyway, but I learned something about golf. So cool. Not every ball is created equal. Every ball is different. But there's specific balls that are made so well, and they do travel faster. I'm not saying they're going to make you the best player, but some balls are better than other balls. And I began to ask why. And so there's different material and composition. But one thing is true for all golf balls. What is the same thing of all golf balls? Is that they all have these dimples all around them. Did you know that? You guys have seen golf balls before? They have all these little holes everywhere. You ever wonder where they came from? They actually have a really cool story. Back in the day, they used to use these tiny little hard balls. And they used to hit them. And at first, they would hit them. And they wouldn't go so far. They'd just go, you know, I don't know, 50, 40 yards. But then those balls that began to get scuffed and beat and hurt and cut all over, had all these cuffs, would begin to go further and further. And people would have their lucky ball. That's my ball. And they don't want a new ball. They want that ball. That one's all jacked up. The more jacked up the ball got, it almost seemed like the further it went. And they couldn't understand why, but it was true. And then people started understanding one scientific fact. These balls, when they're perfectly round, they would not travel as fast because of the tunnels, wind tunnels that it would create. It was just one big ball of resistance. This is going to sound a little scientific, but bear with me for a second. After it got all these grooves and all these holes, it would create this internal tunnel, these little wind tunnels all around the ball that would create it to spin and go further and further and further and further. All these little scars, all these little dimples, all these little dings and, 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 and hits would make it go much further and it would have never suffered those hits. Am I making sense? In our life is exactly the same way. You have scars, you've been hit, there's things in your life you still haven't figured out and yet God is saying, I know it hurts, I know it doesn't feel good, I know sometimes you may think it doesn't even look good to people, but listen, in God's hands, you'll go so far, so far. Every one of those things has an incredible purpose that will take you further and will bless so many people more than you could have ever imagined. So whatever the deficiency you think may be, God created you for an amazing purpose and never settle for less. Do not be lover of self. Do not call what good, what is good evil and what is evil good. This is the day where you say, Lord, I thank you for creating me. How do I live according to your word? How do I live according to your purpose? Amen. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you guys. Dear God, I thank you because you designed us with a wonderful purpose. Because everyone in here, God, no one here no one in this place here has been created just because. There's no accident here, God. I know, Lord, that every woman and every man in this room has been created for a wonderful, incredible purpose on this earth that no one else can do. And I thank you, God, because tonight, tonight, Lord, you're going to make that clear to so many people here. They will understand that even their pain, their wounds, their scars were not meant to destroy them. Or to segregate them from people. 
but they were meant to take them further and further and further and further God to bring glory to your name God that those people that see their life grow and develop will say except that person I don't understand she's damaged goods why is she doing those great things and you'd be able to say it is the Lord in my life only God can do what he did in me I tell you this tonight God is working for you not against you he loves you he has a great plan if you're here and you understand that God loves you and God is the light of your life this is your time and this is your moment to say God I want to come back into your purpose Jesus help me grow help me sow again into my life I don't want to quit too soon God help me to be hungry for life to be thirsty for growth God to invest into what you gave me dear God I thank you so much I must stop for a second keep your eyes closed for a second God put something in my heart some of you here have interrupted your lives because you saw someone else living a certain way and you feel you think that's the best way to do it and you wondered and you got confused and I'm telling you something so simple so true unless you actually genuinely follow Christ truly follow Jesus you will never ever be fulfilled Christ is still the fountain of waters the Bible says that whoever comes to him will never thirst again never covet never ever be angry never ever be jealous of someone else's life without Christ never not once and I don't mean a version of him or some sort of sprinkled Jesus I'm talking about a passionate pursuit of the presence of God never for one second ever for one second do you draw close to that mindset or to that thought? Let the Lord be your guide. Let His Word be your standard. Let His Spirit be your driving force. Ask what God loves and pursue that. Ask what He hates and draw away from that. Ask Him, God, tonight, I pray right now, there's someone here that's been hurting God, that you please tonight, God, bring healing and hope to their lives. If someone here hasn't yet taken that first step and given their life to Christ, I want to invite you to take that first day, that first step, just like in creation, let the light of the world come into your life. Jesus says that those who come to me, I do not cast out. He will give you the one opportunity that I'm telling you, you've been waiting for. And that is a story of redemption, salvation, and restoration. Renewal in your life. If you want to give Jesus your life, tell him, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you all that I am. I give you my best and my worst. Jesus, would you be my Lord? And would you be my savior? Change me and make me the person that you created me to be. Forgive my sins. Come into my life, Lord. Come into my life. I want to know you more every single day. Thank you so much. I know you died on the cross, but you also resurrected. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Give Jesus a round of applause. Now, before you go, I want to say something simple. On the seventh day, God rested. Okay? On the seventh day, God what? A lot of people want to just rest without work. They want to get to the end without doing something great. That is not life. Life is not chilling. A lot of people think they'll be happy once they retire. But the first thing that happens, they start getting Alzheimer's. They start losing their mind. They start getting bored. They start getting angry. They feel lost. Trust me, we studied this. Why? Because purposelessness does not mean, oh man, this is powerful, I promise you. If you just understand one simple thing, there's no better thing than working so hard and at the end of the day, 
Ah, getting a good night's rest. It is so good to say, today I did something great for the Lord, and I will rest. But not, some people just want to rest without doing great things in their lives. Jesus Christ is amazing. He gave everything he had, and then he said, it is finished. It is finished. Some people start things, and they don't finish them. There's nothing more dangerous to your character than starting things and not finishing them. Get things done. And when you get these things done, get some good rest. But not before you finish the work that God created for you to do that specific day. Does that make sense? Learn to enjoy the work of God. If you don't enjoy people near you, if you don't enjoy serving God, you're crazy if you're still doing it. I love serving Jesus. I'm telling you guys this. I don't work. I love serving God. I love, love the people of God. Start loving blessing people. Start loving to let God use your life. And that will feel like rest so much, I promise you guys. Is that okay? God bless you guys. We'll see you guys during the week. Peace out. Vamos. Oh, 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 oh,